0: twenty four and twenty six and uh, let me see if I've got the uh the uh, ipad is working this morning or was not working this morning, but I think it's on tonight so we're going to be in first samuel twenty four verse five and six, and then also I'll flip right over to chapter twenty six and so uh, let me get you to stand just real quickly and I'll let you be seated right away we'll jump in we're earlier tonight in getting started than normal and so uh, we had a special, and we, we kind of moved that out. Uh, so I'm going to sing in just a moment. And uh, no, I, w- I wouldn't do that to you at all. But here we go. First Samuel chapter 24, you follow along as I read, verse 5 and 6. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. Then two chapters over, we find in uh, 1 Samuel 26, verses (laughs) 8, excuse me, verse 8 and verse 9 on the screen there in front of you. uh, Then said, uh, Abishai, to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now, therefore, let him smite him. I pray thee with the smear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? And so the lesson has been, to this point, we'll finish it tonight, um, mercy for my enemy. This is the, I think, the fifth study that we've had, David's journey through the Psalms. We'll probably cover a couple more as well, and uh, before we move on uh, further down the road. But let's pray, and we'll jump right in. Lord, we ask for your help. We pray you'd guide and direct our words and thoughts and speak to our hearts, Lord, in the moments that we share. Thank you for these that have made the effort to be here. I pray that you would indeed bless them. We ask you again for your help tonight. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, we mentioned uh, these two particular passages. They're a little bit of time apart. David, with his... Uh, how many men are with David? Who remembers? 400, and he's facing Saul's uh, forces, which are how many? 3,000, okay. And first, in chapter 24, they find him in a cave. And uh, they're hiding out in the cave, Saul comes, takes a nap in the cave, and uh, he, David has that opportunity to take his life, but he doesn't. Then we fast forward two chapters later, and they're in the hillsides, and it's amazing to me how even in that moment, in fact, it's, a, it, it's really God's miraculous protection for David. Uh, here's David camping with his 400 guys, and how in the world they weren't found out by Saul and his men is, is a, amazing. And you ever wonder, can God protect you? Can God take care of you? And the answer is, yes, He can. You find it all through Scripture. But nonetheless, so here we are in chapter number 26. David is now camping out in the hillsides. Saul is there. God calls us to sleep to come over. I mean, can you imagine this? Here's Saul sleeping, David and his men, and they're talking about, would you like me to kill him? I can kill him now. I'll do it once. I won't have to do it a second time. In other words, I, I do a pretty good job the very first time. And David said, no. But all that conversation is going, can you imagine? Here's Saul laying down, you know, and uh, David and Abishai, I don't know if he was snoring. Okay. I just, that's, it's not in the original, so I can't tell for sure, but nonetheless, so here's Saul Here's David, here's Abishai, all these guys around him. God has delivered your enemy into your hand, and David refused. So the title of the lesson has been Mercy for My Enemy, and there are several thoughts that we have learned along the way. First of all, David understood mercy. It's important to keep that in mind because when you experience it, you know what it's like. And by the way, every person here tonight, every person here tonight has has been a recipient of God's mercy. There's no question about it. You say, well, how do you know that? It is with the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. They're new every morning, the Bible reminds us. The very fact that you're here tonight is God's mercy. Don't ever forget that. The very fact that you have the hope, we talked about hope this morning, the hope of heaven, that's God's mercy. So David understood mercy. And so, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's very significant. And of course, we talked about Saul, uh, who would tell us, God who is rich in mercy, Saul was another one, who became Paul, who understood what mercy was. The second thing we notice about David, David was more concerned with pleasing God than man. He, even when he had those two opportunities, think about it now, David had a spear thrown at him. David was outnumbered by a force of almost 10 to 1. They were seeking his life. He wasn't coming out to have negotiations with David about possibly having a position in his cabinet. He wanted to kill him. And yet, in spite of all of that, David's character, I know know David has his his season of sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, but David is one shining example in many, many respects. And so... uh, um, anyhow, so we see here, David was far more concerned with pleasing God than man. The third thing, David had a proper respect for God's man, even though he knew he was going to be the successor. Though he wondered if God's protection would would see to it, but even though he knew that, he still at this point he said, he said, "I'm his servant." He understood the the proper line, if you will. Then the fourth thing that we saw. Was that David knew that his trust and confidence was in the Lord? And we pulled, we're pulling these passages parallel from uh, uh, the three Psalms that were written right around the time of uh, both 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel uh, 26, and uh, Psalm 63 1 being one of them. And we see, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. So he knew that even though he's in here in the middle of the desert, it looked like everything was against him, God was, uh, was the one that he was trusting and his confidence was in him. Then uh, we, we've noticed also point number five, and I think, uh, I think this is uh, we left off on five or six, but uh, number five, David knew that everything he needed would be found in the Lord, and we saw that both in Psalm 63, Psalm 108, and I'm not going to repeat that again, uh, and then point number six, David knew that God was fighting for him. Psalm 108, verses 10 through 13, I want to look at these because this is right where we left off. Uh, when we uh, last spoke on this. Verse 10, who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Rhetorical questions truthfully. Will not thou, O God, who has cast us off? And will not thou, O God, go forth with our hosts? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. And then notice, verse 13, through God, we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Know this, that as a child of God, every enemy of yours is an enemy of God's if it's legitimate. Now, certainly, I'm not talking about somebody that you got uh, uh, had a falling out with or you're angry or ticked off at somebody. But when the Bible says the battle is the Lord's, that's talking about those who are doing right, certainly. And uh, that was David's case here. And so David understood, God's in charge. He's all I need. He's fighting my battles for me. That's why David was, uh, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it figuratively in this sense, that's why David was able to defeat Goliath. Because he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord, to Goliath. Remember, Goliath is making these uh, threats day after day. there at the Valley of Elah. And David comes out, and he has nothing. I mean, he's not even wearing armor. He's coming out in uh, shepherd's garments and attire, and he picks up five stones, and he's got a sling, and he goes out. And Goliath said, am, am I a dog? You know, what, what in the world? You're embarrassing me. This is a joke. You, this guy's coming out here and then uh, David proceeds to do what David did, and the, the, the rest is, is history. And uh, what a great story that is, but David would prove, God's always been fighting for me. If it was the lion, God was fighting for me. If it was the bear, God was fighting for me. If it was Goliath, God was fighting for me. And you have to understand that everything that you and I face while we do want to maintain mercy for our enemies, never forget this, the battle is the Lord's. Why is that significant? Because when you keep that in mind, it tempers your want for vengeance. Because if God is in charge, God is calling the shots, God is fighting the battle, then you're not ready to pick up the spear and throw it through the saws in your life. And that's what David was avoiding. He was trying to make sure that nobody else did it. Hey, listen, I appreciate, appreciate you 400 guys knowing you've got my back. And by the way, David spoke highly of them. He comes to 2 Samuel, the very end, and he's talking about his mighty men, and he goes through their names, and he talks about some of the the valiant attempts they had on his behalf. But he always understood that the battle was the Lord. Now let's hasten on to number seven, and we'll uh, wrap this up uh, tonight here. Uh, From Psalm 63, verse six and verse seven, David didn't let the trouble of the present cause him to forget the blessing of the past. Now, that's so important, but I want to notice these two verses. We'll come back to the point. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. David's still not sure he's getting out of this alive, but while he's sleeping or trying to find sleep, because there were times in David's life where he said, sleep failed me. I I didn't have any rest. There was no rest. And I'm not talking about the passage in the Scripture where it says, there, God saith, the Lord saith there is no rest unto the wicked. David was, at least as far as we can tell, right, with the Lord here. But he was in the midst of a terrible predicament, and so he wasn't sure how it was all going to turn out. But he said, when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, those moments when sleep fails me. And everybody has seasons and times and when, when sleep fails you. And sometimes it's because of disappointment, hurt and heartache and all of those things. But now notice verse number seven, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. So what is David saying? And this is a very important point here. Number seven, David didn't let the trouble of the present cause him to forget the blessings of the past. Why is that significant? Because many times whatever we're going through, particularly when it's, uh, man, it's a storm of whatever, and for David, it was running for his life, thinking Saul was going to get him. He didn't let what he was facing right now cause him to forget how good God had been in the past. And one of the things we all suffer from is short-term memory loss because we get so right here and now, yeah, but what about how good God's been to you in the past? Yeah, but, but right now I'm, I've got 3,000 men against me and I got 400 guys and they're not much help anyway. I know Abishai said, give me the spear, I'll take care of me. He said, but the fact is all these guys are in debt, they're distressed. They're disappointed. They're all those things. I mean, this this is this is a terrible crowd that I found myself in the middle of. And so, what David said while I'm sitting there on bed in the bed, I'm meditating. I'm thinking. Let me ask you: anybody ever ha- here had a restless night? Come on, put your hands up. Anybody in here have a restless night? Okay, and uh, you know whatever it might be caused by, and it could be any number of things. But when you have those moments, what David said. I decided to remember, I decided to think about how good God had been to me in the past. There's plenty to focus on negative right now. 10 to one, the odds aren't very good. You're getting out of here alive. David, even though he told Abishai, I'm not gonna do this, God's gonna take care of this. Even though he told him that, David is still telling us, I shall not one day perish at the hand of Saul. But he said, I'll let God deal with that. I'll let God deal with Saul, even if I lose my life as a result of it. So point number seven I don't know, of these 10 points in this particular train of thoughts, um, this might be the most significant one because I think it's one of the areas where we often struggle. So David didn't let the trouble of the present cause him to forget the blessings of the past. And so re- please remember that. And let's move on to uh, Psalm 57.4. Uh, and again, One of the three Psalms written during this window, if you will. Um, My soul is among lions, and i even among them that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. Uh, Point number eight, David knew that the enemies of the Lord could not be trusted. Those that are against God. The the Bible reminds us, let God be true and every man a liar. Why would he say this about the enemies of the Lord? Because he realized, in fact, Saul, after he finds out that David spared his life in the cave, Saul says to David, you've been more righteous than me. He, said, he basically tells him, you're the better man. And so in so many words, David says, are we good? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't think he did the thumbs up or anything like that. You know, are we cool? You know, whatever. That's what David thought would happen. And uh, so he makes that statement, Saul said, you're more righteous than me, I'm going home, How, you know, I'll, I'll swing by Chick-fil-A or whatever, you know, and then he realized it was Sunday and he was very disappointed, but so he heads home, just seeing if you're awake, come on, stay with me, crowd. And so he, he gets home, but then what happens, that evil spirit continued to trouble Saul and he comes back after it. But David in this moment, he knew this, he knew the enemies of the Lord, those that blaspheme, those are, those that those that have the priorities against the things of God. You say, who are the enemies of the Lord? Anybody that goes against the word of God. When people start preaching things that are false and contrary to God's law, God's word, God's way, God's teaching, they say, well, this is what I think about it. Hey, you know, God's never asked your opinion about anything, and I don't think he's going to start. You know, there's never been a time when God has said, hey, Stu, what do you think about this? It doesn't work that way. That's why I, I mentioned it uh, last week or the week before. Someone asked me if I had an opinion about uh, you know, uh, this. And uh, they, I, I told them, I said, no, I don't have an opinion. And they said, really? I said, no, why should I have an opinion? God's already got one. And my opinion wouldn't matter anyway. And when you approach things that way, you understand. And so David is making the statement here, the enemies of the Lord cannot be trusted. And Saul is, is evidently the one to whom he's referring. Because, and he's not mixing any words. My soul is among lions, and I lie among, among them that, that are set on fire, even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. So he knew this is the guy that can't be trusted. And it's one of the reasons why God cautions and warns believers. Let me remind you of this. Cautions and warns believers about running with the wrong crowd. God says they can't be trusted. David reminds us of that. And of course, the second episode in the hills outside of the caves reminds us further. So, David uh, knew that he didn't want to let the troubles of the present cause him to forget the blessings of the past. And point number eight, he knew that the enemies of the Lord could not be trusted. Still further in Psalm 57, we're going to move on to the ninth point of 10. David says this, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Why is that significant? You're in a cave you're in the fields, you're running for your life, you got no place. Uh, you know, you, you can't, uh, you know, click your boots together and say there's no place like home and wind up in Kansas or wherever that happens to be. And you guys are really tough tonight. I don't, come on, wake up. Is it the rain? I don't know what it is. So stay with me here. So David says, I will praise you. What, what do you got to be happy about? I mean, really, David, you're running for your life. In fact, you're so discouraged, you have already said, I shall now one day perish at the hand of Saul. You've already said that. I think this is very, very important to understand. We said in point seven, which I, which I thought was, was very telling and timely for us, he didn't let the trouble of the present cause him to forget the blessings of the past. But I want you to notice point nine as well. David knew that the enemies of God couldn't take away his song or praise. And that's so important. You say, Why? Because when you're going through it, one of the first things to, to hit the road is your song and your praise. Because here's what we do. And I, when I'm saying we, okay, here's what I do, okay? And if it's not you, just feel free to have a good time at my expense. Here's what I do. When things aren't going well, one of the first things that goes out the window is my song and my praise. But only because I surrender it. Only because I let it go. You don't have to. You don't have to just acquiesce just because, well, pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. No, I didn't. But more than likely, you're not camping out on a hillside tonight, outnumbered 10 to 1, knowing, in fact, you're, you're writing your diary. I shall now one day perish at the hand of Saul. I say, diary, forgive me. You understand what I'm saying. I realize that's the word of God he's writing. But in his mind, he's, this is it. I'm going to die. I'm toast. But I'll tell you one thing. Even though I'm going to die, I'm still going to praise him. Here's what, think about what he's saying here. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. This isn't like he's trying to negotiate with God. If you get me out of here, you know, all right, this isn't, you know, him shipwrecked on some island and saying, God, if you'll get me out of here, you know, I I, I promise you, I'm going to serve you forever. That's not what he's saying. He says... It's not looking good right now. In fact, it looks really, really bad. But I'll tell you what, I'm still going to praise you. You know, it's it's that moment. It's like a light comes on with Job. And Job's character is just, wow, just... uh, I I was doing some reading even even more in Job this past week and thinking about him and his character and his integrity. Integrity, the, the word in the Bible that's used to describe it. And the Bible said, he said, though he slay me, you think about that. We don't pray that way. We don't don't pray that way. We don't say, okay, God, just so you know, if you kill me, I'm still going to serve you. You you can take my life. I'm still going to trust you. You can take my life. I'm still going to praise you. We don't say that. We take a step back and say, why would you do that? (laughs) What did I ever do to you? That's that, Right? Come on. Uh, please don't look at me like that because you're making me think I'm the guy on the island who's the only one who ever thinks that way. I mean, every time I read Job, I'm thinking, dude, what did he ever do wrong? And the answer is pretty clear. We know he was a sinner, but man, it's amazing what happened in his life. And yet he proves, in spite of all of that, I'm going to keep trusting him. I'm going to keep praising him. And I'm going to keep serving him. Because I never put him on trial. How did David become a man after God's own heart? I think there's a lot of reasons, but I'll tell you. His approach to his enemies was so clear that he had mercy for them. And one of the reasons why was because he wasn't going to let what was happening right now cause him to forget how good God had been in the past. But he also knew this. Nobody can take your song. Nobody. Nobody can take away your praise. It was Francis Havergill, I believe, who wrote, Take My Life and Let It Be. And there's a, there's a verse in there, and take, take my lips and let them sing, always only for my king. I think I've got that right. If I, if I don't, forgive me. If not, write it down, because I just wrote a beautiful verse. But Francis Havergill's story is, is kind of amazing in itself. She, she had hoped from the time she was a young girl to marry, and it didn't, see, it didn't work out that way. And she, she had a very hard, almost tragic life, died fairly young, even for that time and era. But if she, you know, take my feet and let them move always only, you know, I mean, you know, it's just everything about that is, I'm going to keep praising God. Yeah, but you didn't have the life you thought you would. No, but God's been good to me. And I'm not going to let what's happening right now cause me to forget it. Because we can do that. Okay, I can do that. I do that because many times I I find myself catching myself and and, and I'm, I'm so zeroed in and honed in on the cave, on the hillside and surrounded by a thousand men that are waiting and barking for my life. Figuratively, you understand what I'm saying. And in those moments, David said, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to keep singing. You know? Are you with me? Sit is, okay? You know that, that Disney tune, Just Keep Singing? Boy, you are slow tonight. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, too many references tonight, Pastor. You need to move on. Okay, I'm just seeing if you're with me tonight. And so David said, listen, I'm going to keep right on, I'm going to keep right on praising. I'm going to keep right on singing even if it looks like everything and everybody is against me. Why? Because I remember how good God has been. And I'm not putting him on trial for where I'm at right now. And so David knew that the enemies of God, his circumstances couldn't take his song. And then finally, the last thought is this. In Psalm 108, verse 3, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. And this is so important. It dovetails with the last point we just made. Can you see that okay? David knew to keep praising him. Now notice this. Even though he might have been unsure that deliverance was ever coming. You see, it's, it's you know, I remember one time when I, I don't know why, it's not in my notes, but I just thought of this. My oldest brother was, uh, many of you have met David. David went with us to Israel and he's been here, I think twice, Um. He came when Adam uh, and Joe helped us move. My brother was with us. Uh, we brought him along to help drive, but he slept most of the way. But uh, he rotated which truck he slept in. Right, Adam? But I can remember when I, when I was in high school, actually right into high my brother was, uh, he was a state champion wrestler. He was really, really tough. And I can remember one time I got into a, a fight. And I remember that uh, this did not look like it was going to go down well. But I remember looking down the hallway in our public school, and guess who I saw coming down the hallway? My brother. My brother weighed 126 pounds and could bench 255. He was one of the only guys. They had these bench your weight clubs. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, but they had a bench twice your weight. And there were only like four guys in our entire high school who could bench twice their weight. He was one of them. And I remember he weighed 126. That was his weight class. And I remember seeing him put 255 up five times. And I could put 255 up one, uh, you know, weight at a time, the 45s and the 25s and all that. I could put them up. In fact, I often did that for my brother. But I saw him coming down the hall, and this guy was giving it to me. And all of a sudden, my whole countenance changed because I knew, listen, I, I might not be no match for you. But (laughs) there's somebody coming, and you're no match for him. And it was just, it was, it was. I can see this like it happened a moment ago. It's one of those things that's kind of etched. And my brother comes down, he sees this guy giving me grief, and all my brother did was put his hand on his chest and lift him off the ground against the lockers. It was just, it was like so cool. It was like, man, if you had a, if you had a, if I would have had a phone back then, that would, I don't know how many likes that would have got, but it would have been a bunch. And so now I can only relate the story as I remember. And in that moment, I'm thinking, man, deliverance is so sweet. And here was, and that guy never gave me a bit of trouble after that. And, but, you know, it, it's easy to, you know, I, I got a little arrogant and cocky then because I saw help was on the way. But sometimes in your life, you know what? You're not so sure it's coming. And you wonder, is that deliverance coming? Is that answer coming? Is that help coming? And you have to remember this about David. As he's saying this, he knew, (laughs) I'm not sure how this is all going to turn out, but I'm not going to stop praising him. That's why when Paul is in jail, he starts singing. You might not get out of here, Paul. Yeah, I know. Let's sing. Might as well, Paul. Do, do you realize what? Yeah, I know. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep singing. And when you and I get to the place where our enemies, and we think of our enemies, we, we're thinking of a, we put a face on it. We try to make it a person, but it's not always that case. Sometimes those enemies are those things that we fear. Sometimes it's our great fears. Sometimes it's disappointments. Sometimes it's the world, the flesh, the devil, any of those things. But David knew this. I'm not going to stop praising him just because it looks like everything is against me right now. But what if you don't get out of this? Well, I'm going to keep praising him. But what if it doesn't turn out like you thought it would? Maybe it won't, but I'm going to keep praising him. You say, why? I always say this so glibly almost. When we say, I've read the back of the book and we win. But you know, that's really true. I don't know what all is going to happen in the interim. and I don't know how, you know, when any of our lives are going to end or how they're going to end or anything like that. But I I know this. Don't let the troubles of the present cause you to forget how good God has been in the past. Don't ever let the problems you're facing steal your joy still your peace still your song and keep praising god even when you're face to face with your worst enemy whatever that might be person or thing or presence or experience david understood god's got this and god's got me so he's